We have a mini meta hour in store for you today. At the end of episode two, we didn't talk much about the meta and tonic, so I wanted to take the opportunity to throw out a short bonus episode and dedicate it entirely to the history of the gin and tonic, which is about 200 years old, and I think you'll find pretty interesting if you want to stick around. Welcome to Meta Hour, the podcast, a weekly podcast covering news and happenings in and around the metaverse, entertainment, crypto, and more. While we're only on episode two, um, we're already releasing a bonus episode. I got some feedback that I didn't go into the meta and tonic quite enough at the end of the last episode, so I thought I'd take the opportunity to record a, uh, a short bonus episode where we can kind of look at gin and the history of gin and tonic, uh, which is a 200-year-old uh, cocktail, surprisingly. Um, so this is a pretty uh, gin-focused episode, not really any news on Metaverse, but we'll be back next week to kind of pick up on what things have happened in the last week. The gin and tonic was always my most quintessential cocktail only because it was the drink that I associate to my parents. Um, as a kid, I remember them, both who were British, having gin and tonics, uh, otherwise known as a J&T, on weekday evenings after work. It's surprising that I can't do an English accent to save my life, even though I'm half British. Um, the gin they used was always Beefeater. Um, which I remember because the picture on the front was a medieval-looking fellow um, who I later learned was literally a person who ate beef for the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Um, and the tonic water was always Schweppes. Um, I love that yellow label, and I can remember not knowing what this meant, but it said, contains quinine on the label. I always thought that was kind of alluring, Um which ironically is what makes the gin and tonic so alluring to cocktail drinkers. Uh, gin itself has been around for 2,000 years. Um, it was first, kind of the first version of it was uh, medicinal use, where they would infuse the juniper berry, which is the key ingredient in gin, in wine. Um, the monks later did kind of the same thing, and... Over about a thousand years or so, 1500 years, the Dutch started distilling it um, in making what we kind of know as gin today. It was more of a malt flavored beverage. Um, in the 1600s, 1700s, the English had discovered gin from the Dutch and started to mass produce it as a nation because they were getting tax breaks from King William III, who was in a sort of trade war with France and was limiting wine and cognac and provided tax breaks to people internally in England to produce gin. Well, England went a little berserk with gin producing and fell on some dark days, which you can go online and read about if you like. But by the mid-1800s, everything had sorted itself out. Gin was being produced in a normal fashion, and much of what we drink today is probably pretty similar to what it was a couple hundred years ago. What starts to bring this all together, and it relates to the meta and tonic, aka gin and tonic, was the British Navy brought gin with them on long sea travels because it kept better than beer. And of course, you can't go on a boat if you don't have booze because what's the point of being on the boat? Um, at the same time, because they were visiting exotic locations, they bought quinine with them, which was uh, used to fight and prevent malaria. 
But quinine on its own was incredibly bitter and nobody wanted to take it. So, kind of going a little bit of a circle here, Mr. Schwepp, who had created a bottling uh, drink company, made a drink called Indian Tonic Water, which was a sweetened quinine drink that was one of the first bottled drinks ever created. And you can probably see where this is going. So the sailors would mix the quinine-flavored Indian tonic water with their nicely distilled gin. And to top it off, because limes were actually on board these ships because they were used as a way to uh, prevent scurvy, are you, matey? Um, Boom, you had a gin and tonic. They mixed the tonic with the gin. They squeezed in some lime to prevent scurvy. They prevented malaria, and they had a fun romping time on board. Um, <laughs> if you think about it, it's it's kind of amazing that I don't think there's any cocktail that I know of that has such a depth of history besides beer, you know, making alcohol, but mixing ingredients together that we drink today that wasn't developed by a bartender or mixologist and um, promoted as a new cocktail invention. This was something that they drank on the ship because it had medicinal purposes and it was just the perfect storm of three ingredients. Back when my parents drank gin and tonics, they used beef eater, which is a standard. Today, there are a lot of independent, smaller batch gins being produced um, which include tasting notes on their bottles from all the different botanicals used in the redistillation process. Gin is distilled twice, the second time after they've infused the juniper and botanicals to accomplish whatever flavor profile they're looking for. And for a gin and tonic, because the tonic tends to have such a distinct flavor, I'm usually okay using a less craft-made floral-forward gin. Um, so gins like Bombay, Sapphire, Tangeray, Beefeater, Hendrix are some of the well-known gins you can find in any liquor store or grocery store. Um, in terms of how they rank with the traditional gin flavor, Bombay, Sapphire, and Tangeray probably have the most juniper flavor, uh, followed by Beefeater. And then Hendrix uh, has the lowest of the four of those in terms of that kind of floral juniper note that you come to expect out of gin. For the tonic, you can't go wrong with Schweppes. I mean, if anything, just for history's sake, it's been around for so long, 1700s. But I really like a brand called Fever Tree Line. You've probably seen them. I know Whole Foods carries them. Uh, I'm sure the big grocery stores carry them too. They have a standard Indian tonic water. They've stolen the naming rights from Schweppes from the 1700s as well as a uh, lighter calorie version, which instead of being made with imitation sugars is made with fructose, so you don't get that chemical aftertaste that some of those diet um, tonics have, because they use sucralose or Splenda or those kind of fake sugars, um, if you're into the slim line thing. So a meta and tonic, gin and tonic, is very simple to make, um, but if you follow a couple specific rules, you will really kind of get the best flavors out of that. Um, The first thing you want to do is make sure your gin is cold, like super cold, like in the freezer cold. And your tonic, obviously keep it cold too. Uh, The glass choice, um, highball glass, a 
uh, crystal cut glass, probably the traditional, if you want to go for that very British upper class look, the crystal cut glasses can't go wrong with. Um, I prefer those. So you, you start with a nice cold glass. Um, you add your cold, cold gin, two ounces worth into the glass, followed by your four ounces of tonic water. And when you pour the tonic, you really have to be careful. You don't just dump it in there because it will fizz everywhere and you'll lose all that nice effervescence that tonic brings. So do the bar style, tip the glass on the side, pour it in slow like you would, you know, getting a pint of beer. Then squeeze one wedge of lime into the glass, get all that juice out. You can drop that lime in and then slowly add your ice into the glass. Don't plop it in there. It will just fizz and bubble everything up. Um, you know, we're really trying to avoid losing that nice carbonation. And there's no need to stir it. Just sit back, hopefully in front of a sunset, and enjoy. The gin and tonic is such a quintessential drink. It can be enjoyed pretty much any time. It's great in the afternoon for meta hour. It's great in the evening out with friends. It's great at home when you just want to relax. Um, if you're a morning person who drinks, you probably shouldn't do that. So don't do not do that. Um, and that's the gin and tonic or the meta and tonic as we like to call it. I hope this bonus mini episode of diving into the meta and tonic gave you good closure to last week's episode. This bonus episode is, is very much a divergence from the week's schedule and format. We typically won't go into such detail over the cocktails, but I thought that the gin and tonic really kind of deserved its own uh, mini episode. And we kind of didn't get to it at all the last of the second episode but i'll be back next week with more news and happenings from within and outside the metaverse i'm your host ben stanley and i'll see you at the next meta hour